The Mets took their talents or lack thereof to Houston and left with two more losses. Six games under 500. God knows how many games out of first place. The Mets keep on losing, and we are not happy about it. Former MLB Network and TNT and TBS broadcaster and now host of the Unfiltered Podcast, Casey Stern will join me as we commiserate once again right here on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Jake Brown. You know, I, I never went to therapy really growing up. Um, we might have went as a family once, but... This program is going to have to become a free therapy session for listeners because the New York Mets in 2023 right now are one of the most underachieving teams in the history of the sport. And you can call that hyperbole. You can call that exaggeration. It is not. This is a $350 million team that as we head into summer, the summer has begun today. We're recording this on June 21st. Summer is here. The days are longer and boy, did it feel longer watching the Mets on Wednesday in Houston. And as the summer is here, the New York Mets enter summer 34 and 40. That's 74 games in. That means the Mets have 88 games remaining in this season, in this disappointing season. They are just a week away from the first half of the season being over, and they are currently six and a half games out of the third wild card, not the division, a team that was within four games of the division, what felt like just a few short weeks ago is now six and a half out of a wild card spot. To even utter the word division is almost a disservice to everyone else in it. They are 13 and a half games back of the Braves. They are four and a half games back of the third place Phillies. They are seven and a half games back of the second place Marlins. I mean, they're closer to last place than they are the third wild card. They're just six ahead of the last place Nationals. Just more utterly bad baseball on Wednesday. I mean, they got to be the first team in the history of the baseball to one, not only load the bases twice in one inning, but one, have one of those loaded bases, not even advance the runners. They had to go back because Pete Alonzo was running towards the pitcher. It's like, you know, he hurt his wrist and he forgot to run a first base. He gets called for a violation. They load the bases again. Astros get out of it. On top of that, on top of a base runner interference on Alonzo in the bottom of the inning, they get a catcher interference on Narvaez, who later in the game has a pitch clock strikeout. In the same inning, you throw two wild pitches. This has become and currently has been in the month of June swoon, the circus. And it's painful to watch as a Mets fan. Like, if you, if you got through that nine innings Wednesday, God bless you. A three-and-a-half-hour game, a comedy of errors. I mean, Alonzo check swing, double play. I mean, that is just insanity. How about this stat? The 2023 Mets are 13 and 11 when scoring six plus runs in a game. Last year, 55 and four. They've already tripled their loss amount this year. And of course, they lose a series where Daniel Vogelback becomes a Hall of Fame. I mean, Vogie's back. Seven for 17, 412, two homers, seven RBIs. Are you kidding me? I mean, I guess we got to cut him a break here on the show now. 
because he showed up. Maybe that week off actually did help him. But everything going wrong A to Z on this team. To the point, guys, we're in the middle of the night. I went to go pee, and I had my Howie Rose bobblehead on the corner of a desk. And as last week or week before, I think I stubbed my toe in the corner of the bed. What's happening in the middle of the night? I mean, what's happening in the middle of my dreams? This symbolizes the Mets season. My Howie Rose bobblehead has been decapitated. This is it. This is the Mets season. My what could have been father back in the 80s when he, you know, got my mom's number at that Toyota dealership, called her a few weeks too late, is now headless in Seattle. And the Mets might not have any players in Seattle in the All-Star game in a few weeks. So if you got super glue, send it to send it to Astoria. The Mets have no head and no heart right now. And I said Buck Showalter's going to last the season. I think he will. But there's a case for Buck Showalter being fired. I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if in a couple weeks the team keeps playing like this if he was because this is unacceptable baseball across the board so let's talk about it with Casey Stern offensively we're doing pretty good needed to have a better pitching effort today all right you heard me commiserate there to open up amazing but true about this you know horrible team this lackluster baseball that we saw once again in Houston from Catcher interferences to baseline interference, pitch clock violation, strikeouts, errors, bad pitching, injuries with Josh Walker getting hurt and having to leave the game. Jeff McNeil, I thought he broke his knee when he hit that ball off his knee. Somehow he stayed in the game, but already had a bruise. So let's commiserate some more with Casey Stern of the Unfiltered Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Casey Stern. You have seen him on MLB, you've been on what, MLB Network, NBA TV, uh, TBS, TNT. Used to do a podcast, uh, Mets.com, you know, my producer here. Way back when. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my producer here, Andrew Andrew Hart, worked uh, MLB. He was there with you guys for a while, and I was at MLB. So good to, good to come on, have you on the show. How are you doing, Casey? Uh, pleasure, Jake. Happy, uh, happy to come on. I wish it was better circumstances, but this will be therapy for all of us. That's what I call the beginning of the show. I said I may have went to family therapy once in my life. I know people advise it, but I'm just going to turn this into a therapy. I'm just going to let out my thoughts. And in a month, they might not be Mets thoughts. They might just be life thoughts because the games might get so irrelevant. I mean, Casey, this team is six games under 500 with the with the team, you know, that money could buy, 350 million, and just playing really bad baseball, unwatchable baseball. Like, I'm forced to watch it for this show, but I, I might need like a replacement host for a month and take a beach vacation. Cause this is unwatchable baseball. There's a lot not to like, I think one thing we have to remember, and you kind of got to separate the two, the brand of baseball with all the mistakes they're making terrible. The fact that this team clearly seems to have some kind of a symptomatic problem, getting its head on straight is an issue, but the biggest problem are guys not performing. Biggest problem is, and when you, and not specifically this game, but when you look overall, if Verlander and Scherzer and Senga, and then I give you McNeil no order, McNeil, Marte, Lindor, Alonzo, and you know whatever group you want to use of the hitters, right? Do what they're supposed to do. This team would have a much better record than it has. You look at the, who's in the game today: Jones, Walker. You got kids who have been in second second appearance, right? Outside of Adovino, even McGill, let's be fair, and I know he's good as last start. None of these guys are good enough. They're not. They're not players that would be in a roster in a game against the Astros in some big game in, let's say, a World Series or against the Braves in September, like this team was in a year ago when it mattered. 
the players right now and the roster right now isn't performing the way it's supposed to be, but it's also not good enough. And I know everybody's going to get on buck and let's fire this guy, fire that guy. If everybody performed the way they're supposed to in the back of the baseball card, this wouldn't happen. Is it disconcerting they make so many mistakes? Of course. You want to put that on the manager? I think leadership in the room, for sure. All of that, yes. But the bigger problem is dudes who are being paid to do what they're supposed to do and what they're talented enough to aren't coming through. That's the biggest issue. I was never on the buck firing train, but I'm starting to get closer just because of it just doesn't feel like they're playing for him like last year. I don't think he'll be fired now. I don't think he'll be fired by the All-Star break. But if mid-August comes around and this team is, say, 15 games under 500, I mean, I guess you just keep him at that point. But it, he's not making a great case to be back in 2024, Casey. Yeah, so I, I'm on – look, I'm on the other side of this from this standpoint, and and I, I get – look, I'm as big a Met fan as anybody. I'm in my mid-40s. I've lived all the pain. I get it, right? But what we don't understand stepping outside of it is how could the same dude who was as big a reason as anybody that you won over 100 games then be the problem? It doesn't make sense. We have to step out of Mets land where we've all been diverted to this island of disaster and depression our whole lives. And we have to get to some sort of common sense. The guy who, let's say, running a company, in this case a team, can't be the biggest reason or as big as any that you're up here and then he's as big a reason you're – it just doesn't work. The accountability has to go on the players. The accountability has to go on the roster. Everyone is at fault. Buck's at fault. Billy Epler for the roster not being deep enough. Guys for not performing. The fact that outside of really, you know, look, the Shures are out and you could go back to a couple of days ago. Let's go back to a week ago during the Subway Series. He blew in a 5-1 lead. That's not Buck's fault. Was it Buck's fault Scherzer gave up seven runs against the Padres a year ago? Or Chris Bassett? You know, crap the bed, too, in that series? No, of course not. So to me, there's there's a part of this because of the way they're playing, Jake, that absolutely has to fall on a manager because that's part of his job. But we have to go down and dumb it down to this simple fact. If you are a person watching or listening who thinks Buck was a big reason they won 101 games, you cannot then turn around and say he's a big reason they're here. In both cases, you have to realize the accountability falls on the players. For the most part, it does. Yeah. And I, you know, this whole year I've been blaming a lot more so on Billy Epler, because like you said, like, who are these guys coming in? I mean, Dominic Leone off the scrap heap, you know, seventh president of the United States, Grant Hartwig. I mean, he was in the battle of, of Hastings as uh, you know, intern Nick taught me last week, battle of Hastings in the 10 hundreds. I mean, Josh Walker, who just got called up a few weeks ago. And then finally you had a big leaguer and Adam Adovino, you know, who's still, I'm still mad. He was in the other day after David Robertson just threw eight pitches but he's underachieved this year. McGill was terrible, and you're going to have to either keep throwing him out there or you know, give Joey Lucchese a few starts until Quintana's back at some point here in July as he's a couple of rehab starts in. But he was not ready for Edwin Diaz to go down. I mean, that trickle-down effect, it's showing more and more that Edwin Diaz was the team MVP because from top to bottom, Casey, this bullpen is an atrocity. And like you said, when the starters aren't getting to the fourth, fifth, sixth inning, it's deep doo-doo for the Mets. They're three and six, and Justin Verlander starts this year. Uh, they're, they haven't been good in Scherzer starts. Senga's a hit or miss. He's been inconsistent. You know, one through five, these starters, it is a concern because it just drops down to the fourth inning guy, the fifth inning guy, sixth inning guy. There's no one outside of David Robertson that you've been able to trust. No, and you want to blame, yeah, not you, but we all want to find, like, who's at fault because it's like some culprit. We're going to fix 
some piece in a jigsaw puzzle and everything else falls into place. It doesn't work that way, right? Even the Vogelback thing that everybody got on at the time, mental break, why the hell is he on the team? I heard a lot of that. Now it's, oh, well, maybe that was a good idea. Good for him with the fortitude. Everybody loved the Senga move. Now it's, he's hit, and you're not wrong, but now he's hit or miss. Everybody loves Scherzer being on the team. And nobody asked him to give up seven runs the end of last season and not look anything but old most of this year either, right? We love the Verlander. We love that he didn't give DeGrom five years. We love all that. So at the end of the day, we are all at fault for thinking this team and this roster was better than it is. That's number one. Number two, clearly they have an issue in terms of, look, I've mentioned it, and somebody brought it up in a, in a tweet before I came on with you, and I, I, I'm with this, and, and this is where i got to check myself, and I, I try and think, Okay, am I being a little bit too serious? I'm going to go real old school. I love Alvarez. The fact that he was laughing at the plate with Maldonado, I get it. They're both catchers. I get it's a great moment and all that kind of stuff. Let the kids play. I'm all about that. I am not one of these people who is not. But in that moment, when you got people in the dugout who are the veterans who look as dejected as they do because of what that moment is, you didn't play in this game when the only thing I want you caring about is playing in this damn game and wanting to play every day. We understand he played the last two games in the series. I don't want to see you lapping down two runs when that team's about to lose another game, the 40th of the season. Now, what do I worry about? I don't think this is the kind of clubhouse that we can trust somebody to go say that to him. And that's the kind of clubhouse that you need. That's the kind of clubhouse they have in Houston, which is why they've been consistent like they have for years. I'm not getting on the kid Alvarez like it's not something you do. But I worry it's not something that probably was even noticed except by fans like us. That's a problem, as an example. Yeah, I'm not going to get that mad at that, but I could see why that could be frustrating watching him, you know, laugh with Maldonado. They they might just be boys. I don't know. They might go back. Yeah, but I don't care. Yeah, but, yeah, but you're, you're about to lose. I, I, want, I want that the culture of winning is not just a buck thing, right? That's got to be a Pete Alonzo, a Frankie Lindor, and everybody who's a leader in that room thing. And it's harder for pitchers like Verlander and Scherzer because they're out there one every five days. And it's a lot of kind of like clicks in a, in a, in a hallway of a high school in clubhouses between pitchers and position players. But to me right now, the way they're playing, Adovino was tight on that defensive play. Every play that they make is seemingly a joke. The fact that Omar Navarra has been around the league a long time is not paying attention and striking out on a pitch clock violation in an at-bat that's important is a disaster. That's a problem that's not just a buck problem. That's a clubhouse problem. And by the way, that's a new problem because we didn't think that was an issue before the season. Right now, they don't look like their winning culture is there at all, if we're being fair. Yeah, the June swoon, 4-13 and 13 since that sweep against the Phillies. Mets haven't won a series. The Mets have not won a series on the road, Casey, since that, I, I believe it's that Dodgers series, the prior to 420. I mean, it's been two months. I believe since this team has won a road series, which is just absolutely inexcusable. I mean, it just cannot happen. You can't even get excited. Monday, you know, Scherzer's great. They dominate. It's an easy win. But until they put a streak together, you can't get excited over individual wins because this team has not put it all together. And that's exactly what they're going to need to do if they want to turn this thing around. I'm not going to say the season's over, but they got to win 9 of 10. They got to win 12 out of 15. They got to get over 500. They got to get to 500 because not only are they struggling, but everyone else in the league is getting better. I mean, everyone in the wild card right now, the Marlins aren't losing. The Giants look tremendous. The Dodgers right now are the third wild card team who you look at as a World Series contender. The Phillies since that sweep have been playing great. I mean, everyone above them is playing well, and the Mets are just a sinking ship in the National League right now. 
I just don't know what savior there is. I'm not going to say Jose Quintana is coming back. Yay, we don't see McGill because we still got to see the other starters. And what relievers are they going to get at the trade deadline that's going to shake up a, a bullpen that's just been atrocious from top to bottom? You can't get – I was always like, all right, we'll get a hitter, two relievers, get Diaz back in October, boom, we're fine. Now it looks like you need six different players to make fix this team. Yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not. You're not wrong, and I think that that probably is their thought. If we hang in it to kind of where we are now, we'll add some kind of a hitter. No, not going to be anything major, and probably a couple of rentals in the bullpen to add depth. But to your point, how are they stringing those wins together? Yeah, you know, who's who's going to go deep into games, right? How's that going to happen so that you avoid having to go to Leon in a fourth inning, right? Who had been pretty halfway decent actually lately, but was not clearly today, given a couple of home runs. And the other point is when you look at, and this is something people don't talk about enough with this team, because I'll go back to something you said, and it's, it's dead on earlier in this conversation, you talked about the depth, right? And the fact that the Edwin Diaz thing, and you're right. Then you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Everyone's in the wrong seat on the bus but it affected them more. I remember talking to Theo Epstein at the rule five draft after they won the world series. And I asked him the first thing that he was working on, on that team. And I remember him telling me, cause it stuck out. He was working on pitchers seven through 10 starting pitchers seven through that was his big concern. Like he was like, we're already on it because the ones who win think about those things, but let's think about what the Mets don't have. What do the Reds have dynamic young starters? What do the Marlins have dynamic young starters? What is Arizona? Arizona? Go to all the, the teams pit for all these teams that have played well, that we've seen play the Mets and have had good records in the National League. Jake, they all got dynamic young arms in relief. The Orioles in the American League, dynamic young arms in relief and in the starting pitching. Where are the dynamic young arms in this system that have come up for this team? Where are the dynamic young arms? It's age everywhere, age. And now you're bringing in kids who have not pitched before. But guys who, to your point on Hartway, this this guy's not he's not changing the world for the Mets. They don't have those kind of guys. That's a major, major hole that was not talked about enough on this roster and in this system going into the year. They don't have young pitchers that can impact your season. They don't. Grant Hartwig was running the Oval Office, not the seventh inning. I mean, come yeah, on. He, yeah, you're right. <laughs> he's not in the right role. And like, yeah, like you said, like we're hoping for the likes. Oh, maybe Steven Ridings will come up and be good. Maybe. Alicia Hernandez, who we got in a deal, will be good. They did not do enough across the board depth-wise. And you got to remember, part of that's because the guys they gave away. You gave away a Holderman for Vogelback. You gave away three prospects and an all-star candidate in J.D. Davis for Darren freaking Ruff, which that trade's going to keep coming up because those kids are doing well now. Those are minor leaguers that can maybe play a piece and, and be these kind of patch guys that you got right now. You gave them up. You made so many bad deals. Obviously, you also lost Bryce Montes de Oca, who people were excited about to injury. So obviously, you had bad luck with that. You had the Quintana injury, you had the Diaz injury, a lot of key injuries. But like, we're really hoping Sam Coonrod comes back, or we're hoping. That's what that- I'm saying. Like, but these are retreads. Zach Muckenhern is here. Like, these are all retreads and guys. They're retreads. I'd like to say Muck, Muckenhern. I'm keeping it PG rated, but I'd like to say a lot of Muckenherns about what this, this yeah. group, right? What this group is, because let's be fair, Darren Ruff, the eighth inning guy we saw last year, they could have probably used him in this game today. That's how sad this situation is. It can't, the Diaz thing is allowed to hurt you. It is. That is, a, that is something that's allowed to hit you but it's not allowed to be something that's cataclysmic to your staff. But to your point, and I'll go back to it. Look, if Senga isn't so off and on, 
if Verlander and Scherzer are doing what you're supposed to, and I go back to the game Scherzer blew with their 5-1 lead against the Yankees, right, just about a week or so ago, how many times – there's the stat was just on Twitter. I just said, what, are the Mets 1-6, I think, in the last seven games that they've scored seven runs, I believe is the stat. That is atrocious. That is not Daniel Vogelback. That is not the lineup from Buck. That's not the defensive miscues necessarily, even though those errors could bring the game closer. That's not having anyone who could keep a lead and go innings and not having anyone who can go ahead and hold the damage. And you bring up, you think about Trevor Williams, you think about how many guys right last year that were different names that they use. They don't have even damage control guys. They are using people on this bus that have seats that should be in double and triple A. And that is a major, major problem to your point. That is a Billy Epler and an organizational problem, a Steve Cohen problem, more than it's a Buck Showalter problem. Because, look, Bruce Bochy, who I love to death and I think is as good as any manager I covered the last two decades, if he is putting out Leon and and the Brigham and the Hartwig and the guys with Walker and these guys, he's not getting the Astros out either. I'm sorry. He's just not. Billy Epler has done a horrific job. And it's like, all right, let's keep him around in hopes that he'll get Shohei Otani this offseason. I don't know what Shohei Otani, what, what that relationship with Billy Epler is. I'm not confident Otani's going to want to come here, and I'm pretty confident that the Mets are going to need to get a new GM. Now, everyone was, there was rumors about Stearns is going to be here as a president. I mean, if Stearns could be the president, GM, do everything, I think the Mets are in good hands. But if Billy Epler is here this offseason and, and working on next year's team, Casey, I think the Mets are in a lot of trouble because he has struck out on every trade. He hit a home run on free agents last year. I mean, they all had great years. They've all had down years or been backups like an Escobar this year, but Billy Epler's track record with his team does not do him well going into this offseason. Well, first of all, I, I think Stearns and leave off the last S for savings because we're not, we're not related, but I, I think he can, he is a guy who I think you would really love to have in this system because he's got a brilliant mind and he can have a GM under him who is kind of, you know, somebody that he is tutoring into. He's done that role and I, who could make, the moves, quote-unquote, but obviously with Stearns. As you think about, and I'll go back to Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, who now is a prominent name and still with the Cubs, but he came under Theo's wing in Boston and in Chicago. So there are situations like that where Stearns would be really the final say. But I would say this about the Billy Epler thing. You're not wrong, but I think we need to be fair. Did we think Senga was a move? Every Go back to Twitter that day. I remember it. Every Met fan in the world that it was the greatest thing that had ever happened, right? Well, I'm fine Everyone with Senga. Is- Senga's been Senga's been so, fine. He's got a three five ERA. He's been fine. So, so he's right. Okay. So, did we think Verlander was the wrong move? Right? They didn't. No, they didn't I mean we loved it at the time. Years, yeah. Right. We loved it at the time. Right. Did we think Scherzer the year before was? Is you understand where I'm coming from? I'm not saying that you're wrong, but we have to be fair. It's not like everything that he has done has failed. It's just when the team fails, we need somebody to blame. And the answer is, which we don't like, it's everyone's fault. It's everyone's fault. It's all the accountability on most of the players, if not all of them. Look, has Marte been what he needs to be and as much as we need him? No. McNeil, we certainly see the struggles that he's having, right? Should you need this much from Tommy Pham? No. But then guess what? Who brought in Tommy Pham? Right. So we can go that way too. fair. I mean, I'm just although, saying although it, t- it like, took him seven weeks, but yes, he finally, it did. Uh, but, you, but you understand what I, you, you understand. I'm just playing the devil's advocate of the fact that especially as Met fans, because of the pain we're in, we want to blame one thing. Sometimes it's everything right now. The bad news is it's everything there to get on the role. You talked about, they need energy and positive energy and they need to get that rolling. I thought when we go back three, four weeks ago, when they had that five games with the Rays and the Guardians, that magical week, 
I, as a lot of us thought, they're back in the wild card position. I thought that was it. I thought they got out of their funk. I am surprised. I, I'm curious if you are. I, if you go back to how I felt then, I thought that was we already hit rock bottom and they kind of woke up and figured it out. I almost can't believe we're back even lower than we were before that week. Uh, are you surprised? Like I'm I shocked. That was I, it. I was I was at fall, all five of those games and it, it felt like Christmas. Like I was, it was like a, a, a little a minor Hanukkah. It was like the five nights of Hanukkah. I was lighting menorahs. The Mets were scoring runs. They were pitching great. It was tremendous. I was eating lobster rolls. I was in the suite, chill. I was living my best life for that five days. Bring back the five days, headless Howie, headless Howie. Bring back the five days in Flushing. Get the SNY feature. The Mets need 55 days in Flushing if they want to turn this around because they got to play like 650 baseball. Like it's not even 500. It's not 600. It's coming to the point they got to win about 65 plus percent of their games with how good the NL has been. And, and something that, you know, it's not really the team's fault, but something around baseball here. The new rules have killed a lot of pitching. A lot of you see these aces, like the no shifts, the bigger bases, the stolen bases. The pitch clock has changed a lot of the way pitchers have worked and the way that Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander have worked for 15-plus years. You know, these new rules are hurting a lot of teams, and the Mets are one of these teams that have been hurt. They haven't been hurt by stolen bases because they've stole 29 straight, the best in ever, and they they lead. The one thing they're good at it this year is they lead the league in 90% stolen base percentage. That's one, but these new rules, Casey, I think have affected a lot of teams, but they're, it's really affecting the Mets, and you saw it with the uh, violation by Narvaez today. You know, the, the lack of the shift. Guys are just crushing these relievers. They're crushing these starters, and I'm not saying that's like a, the Buck or Epler's fault, but it is something in the back of my mind I think about when I watch these games. I'm like, I wonder if there was a shift and there wasn't a pitch clock and the games weren't as quick, would the Mets be better? It's definitely made a big difference. Look, I can give you two things. One, I can't believe the stolen base as much as everybody because I remember when everybody ran like, God bless him, John Olrood, and this team was station to station for like a decade. So I can't even believe what, what we're watching. The other part is, again, don't hate me, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Other teams are dealing with this too. Verlander is a Hall of Famer, right? Max Scherzer, these are Hall of Fame pitchers. Get over it. Like, they got to figure it out. I'm sorry. You can not like it, but you got to adjust to it. If you can adjust to weather, you can adjust to guys who are bad defensively behind you and all the things in their careers that they've had to do, playing with injuries and everything else, my God, deal with it. Sorry. I agree, but when you're in your 40 and you got to throw it, you know, 10, 15 seconds quicker, it does get a little tougher in your body when you're, all right, 95, 95, 95. Uh, Yes, yes. They look gas. Like Scherzer looks gas whenever he comes off the mound. Like he needs oxygen out there. Also stubborn too. When the slider's not working, he likes to continue to throw it. I mean, he got other things that are going on too. In terms of he not pitching, instead of adjusting to the stuff he has now, he's still trying to pitch like he's got the stuff from three, four years ago. And he hasn't been the same since really his arm went dead at the end of the season with the Dodgers the year before the Mets even gone. All right. So like to me, we could do this here. This is what can happen in the clubhouse. I don't like when I hear them complain about the pitch clock because I think they're looking for excuses. I personally don't like the the situation where everybody's making those kind of mistakes because I'm worried the accountability. Look, if, if you know anything about anybody watching, these are not this is not high school. This is not college. These guys make a lot of money when you get to this level. And it's similar in the NBA and talking to players over the years. The accountability comes from your peers. It doesn't come from the manager. Buck Showalter cannot go in like you know Mike Shashevsky or Bob Knight and go rip these dudes for all the errors they're making, and then all of a sudden you think they're going to wake up. It'll go the other direction. The way that gets fixed is those guys in the room got to get in their faces. The Lindor's got to get in their faces. The other pitchers who've seen the mistake from young pitchers got to say, hey, 
Get over here. The next time that happens, you eat that ball, Walker. I know you're hurt. You don't throw it. Adovino, you're a veteran. You know better than that. you got to slow that down and make that play. Do you have confidence those things are going on right now in that room? I have zero, zero confidence that's happening. Those things will not work if it's Buck doing it. Just to be fair, those things will work. This is a high-priced team with a lot of veterans. The only people who could put those guys in check are those people. And that's putting each other. They got to have uncomfortable conversations. I wish I heard about some fight in the locker room so we had energy where they're sick and tired and not going to take it anymore. That can't come from an older manager like Buck Showalter, whose best way about him is the fact that he's even keel and he kind of hangs with him. Bob Melvin not ripping the Padres. If they don't come back, it's not going to be because Bob Melvin's not having a speech because, by the way, his EKG flat like this. So I just think, to me, the player leadership right now in that room, look, I love Pete Alonzo, right? And he's all about, like, and I love him. But he's gung-ho. Even Steve Phillips said to me a couple of days ago, he used the word, I'll use it, a little hokey sometimes. He's all about everything else. But I want to see him get in somebody else's face in that room that we don't know about and be confident that's happening. That's leadership. It's not just, I love New York, LFGM. It's getting in the faces of those players in that room and saying, we ain't going to effing take this crap no more. That's what yeah. I want. That's well said. I agree. I don't think there is that guy. You know, I, I, I miss the days of Pete Alonzo humping rails, but unfortunately he has had nothing to hump because the team's been terrible, but we need more than just him humping rails. He's got to speak up to these guys. And Lador's never been that kind of leader, that kind of vocal guy. He, he's the guy, listen, he's always 100% accountable. He'll blame himself. He did something wrong. He'll talk to the media every day, but he isn't that guy. And like you said, Buck is so even keel. I think that's why fans are like, hey, Buck, can you get a throw out of the game? Can you defend your guys? Instead of saying how you battled and how proud you were of, of them losing a game, like he's got to hold some accountability too. Like I'm not saying it's all on him, but he's got to change his approach here. He can't be the same old Buck because you're six games under. And why we're so freaking mad is how much this team is underachieved from what we expected. It's not like the 2000 and three 2004 Mets where we were thinking, oh, that team's going to be great. We knew they'd be whatever. This is to, supposed to be a World Series contender. And instead, they're not even a wild card contender. And that is alarming. And there's just no signs of it. Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen here. Oh, we got an off day tomorrow. Maybe Friday against the, you know, the hot Phillies. Around. Like what? There's no sign that it's going to be fixed. There's no in guy coming back from an injury. Edwin Diaz isn't going to be back in July. He's not going to be back till you know after Labor Day at the earliest. So there's no real true savior. Like if Diaz came back tomorrow, I'd be like, all right, we got our closer back. Maybe this thing turns around. But Jose Quintana isn't doing that for me. Do you have any semblance that this thing before the deadline turns around, or are you a uh, pessimistic, Peter, like I am right now? I think I think can they are they capable with even the roster we talked about playing better? Yes. Can they be? I look at it this way, right? The rest of them because percentages are percentages. I hate to do this, but it is true. They got to win two out of three, seven out of ten before I'm worried about them playing six fifty ball the rest of the season. Like, let's be fair. Let's get a week and a half stretch, right? Go through the rotation twice. So I look at it the same way I did when we started this conversation. You give me Scherzer. Verlander, Senga, and I know four or five are going to be wonky, and I get it. And it's going to be a lot of team. But you give me those three giving you what they're supposed to do. You tell me that McNeil and Marte and Nimmo and Lindor and Alonzo, those five can play to their capability. And this is a better team than Pittsburgh. It's a better team if that's the case than Miami. It's a better team if that's the case than Cincinnati, than Milwaukee, than I think to me San Francisco, even though they played above that. 
I think this team, if those guys, your stars, are playing to their capability, is better. Are they 650 ball better the rest of the way? I don't know. Are they good enough to play from here on out better than those teams I just mentioned? You're damn right. And I didn't say Phillies. I didn't say Padres, who I think will figure it out. I didn't say Dodgers, right? I'm not going to say Diamondbacks right now. But you only got to be better than the Marlins, everyone else in the Central outside of whoever wins, and San Francisco to at least got a snip. And I think they can do that the rest of the way. Can they do it to play 650, 700 ball? I have no idea. I, I mean, I, I really, I cannot, to me right now, I don't believe that this team believes in itself. And that is a major freaking problem. And that's an everybody in that room problem. Because you saw the faces of Fam and McNeil. And they're not just wearing, hey, we lost another series. They're wearing worry. They're wearing fear. They're wearing pressure. They're wearing we stink up the joint right now. And that is a problem. That is the biggest concern for me right now. There needs some kind of rallying cry, whether it's the, I always, I like to mention the TJ Rivera rally dildo. They need something in that locker room, whether it's Donnie Stevenson Jr. But Donnie Stevenson had a baby like Francisco Lindor. Mauricio, I mean, it's just, I mean, I, I've been clamoring for a month that he should be here. I just, I'm not even say his name. It's going to bolt the energy right in, but here's the problem. You can't with, and this is no, no disrespect to Vientos, but to me, I see Mauricio like in the category with Alvarez of like guys who could be game changers for this team moving forward. And you can't bring that guy up and not play him every day. Like that dude needs to see at bats, see the ball and learn how to see the ball better in the outfield or wherever you want to put him. And he needs reps and he needs reps somewhere. So if it's not the big league level, it's got to be down below. The problem is, is that when those kids come up to the big league level, we've seen it with Buck, but it's other managers too. Any manager that's old school in any way. And Buck is absolutely in that category. Some, which is my veterans are the ones I trust when everything is going the wrong direction downhill. You can't let him go one for seven and then bench him. You can't bring him up at all. If that's going to be the case. So I don't know about you. I don't believe, based on what I've seen from Epler and Showalter, they're going to play him every day. And if they're not, you cannot bring him up. Because even though Vientos, I'm not so worried about what happens to his psyche back and forth, holes in his swing. I personally, sorry, don't think he's that great. But I do think Mauricio is a real, real talent. And that dude's got to play every single day and get reps in the field at whatever position you want him every single day. And if he can't do that here, they can't call him up. I'm more worried it's not going to happen now that Vogelback's had a big week. It's like, listen, Mauricio needs to be here over Luis Guillorme. Luis Guillorme is a part-time defensive player who doesn't hit. He had a home run Saturday, big whoop. Like, you need to have him replace Guillorme. Like, that has to happen. I I don't think Vogelback's getting replaced now that he's starting to hit. But, like, Mauricio's got to be here, and that's a spark. You know, I think Vientos not playing, that's part of why I was like, I don't know if these guys are playing for Buck. Vientos sitting on the bench playing once or twice a week. As Vogelback was going 0 for 36, like that frustrates the team when you got a young guy who's not playing. And I agree. I think Vient, uh, I think Mauricio is better than Vientos. And I know his defense is shoddy. I know he's made some errors, but you could put him at DH. You know, you could put him a little bit at third, a late game pinch hitter. He needs to be up here. And maybe that's a spark that the Mets need. Well, Casey Stern, you can follow him on Twitter at Casey Stern. Check out the Unfiltered podcast on YouTube, wherever you get podcasts. And uh, yeah, you you know we we see you on TBS TNT days. You're still down in uh, Atlanta near uh, my brother. Huh? How's life down there? Uh, it's it's better for the baseball team that they root for than the one that we root for. Uh, I'll tell you that. I still wear my med hat around. 
uh, with, with pride. And, uh, you know, th maybe that's just because we're all stupid at this point, because honestly, to your point at the beginning, we can you know, funnel it down this way. We are three or four weeks of this kind of ball away from this team being unwatchable and me getting ready for, for Daniel Jones and hopefully Saquon and the rest of my Giants because baseball's done. I mean, I, I will not watch – this team's going to – and by the way, you want to talk about ugly. I'm not going back to, like, playing cards in a clubhouse or Louis Lopez fights and, and all that. But this may be as ugly in a scenario to watch as we've seen in a long time with the Mets if they're that bad because cranky veterans making a lot of money who are used to winning – like Scherzer and Verlander on a terrible team that punts and is playing a bunch of kids, maybe an ugly watch the last couple of months of the season. Let's hope it doesn't get there. It was an ugly watch today. These Thursday episodes are going to become me trying different chicken parm places in New York city. I mean, I'm very close to uh, that's my middle name. So I'm going to change these shows from Mets talk to food talk. If it gets uglier, because I think people would rather see mozzarella dripping out of my mouth than foam from screaming about the Mets and chopping off more bobblehead heads and and this stupid thing. Since I brought this thing out, the Mets have been terrible. So this is the horror movie the Mets have You might been. want to chuck that out. You might want to throw that out. You're I'm going to have a burning ceremony for this thing. <laughs> if the Mets uh, become sellers and they give everyone up at the trade deadline. Well, Casey, it was good to have you on. Hopefully we'll have you on again later when the Mets are maybe playing better baseball later in the season. Anytime, Jake. Be well, buddy. Good to talk to you, bud. They left us with black and blues. All righty. Thanks to Casey Stern for hopping on with me. Appreciate him. We've been trying to link up a while and uh, glad to have another fellow Met fan on the show. As that says, good night to episode 156 of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz and the intern Nick Guzman for helping me in producing the show. Me and Hartz saw The Cure on Tuesday night, and the Mets have not found The Cure for all this losing baseball. We're going to start doing trending topics of other things outside of the Mets come August, like we said, unless they turn this around. Intern Nick, you know more about this than I do. What is happening with the submarine? All I know is the yellow submarine. Can you give me the rundown? I'm getting so old, I can't even follow these social trends that are going on. I'm on Twitter all day, and I still don't get it. Tell me about the submarine thing. So the rundown is it's a, a private company that's charging people $250,000. They have one of these special submarines that's supposed to be able to go down to super deep depths, down to like where the Titanic is, which is a super deep part of the ocean, very dangerous. More people have been to space than I've been to that part of the ocean. On one of these expeditions, they they set out a couple days ago to go down and about an hour into their dive down to the Titanic, they lost contact with it. And people are trying to figure out, did it like explode or something? Did it get stuck on some kind of debris down by the Titanic? There's been no contact for days. And I think the, the estimates for how much oxygen they have left is like that they would run out today in, in, in a perfect world that they had all their oxygen from the start that run out today so it's not looking good i think the most recent news was that they picked up some banging on sonar that they think might be coming from uh the submarine like them trying to establish contact with the navy and with the coast guard but i've also seen some things that say that banging could just be tip normal sounds in the ocean that doesn't have anything to do with that submarine i, I think saw the banging. picture of it and it, it looks very unsafe like the inside of it it looks like a, it was made by idiots. Like well, it's incredibly experimental. Like the Navy does not have any of that technology. Neither does the Coast Guard. It's just kind of some dude who started this company and they made one of these submarines. It's not regulated by anything. You, when you go in the submarine to go down to see the Titanic, you have to sign a waiver that says, like I'm okay, like I could die and I'm not going to sue. It's a, the most crazy waiver you've ever seen. 
So no, it's extremely dangerous. There's no sort of regulation towards it. So, I mean, I've seen people kind of making fun of, you gotta be really, really rich to want to go down to pay $250,000 to sit in a little tiny windowless submarine to see the Titanic. Why don't the Mets make me sign a waiver for watching them in case I die watching them? That should be the next waiver I have to sign. If you're listening to this and you have an extra Happy Rose bobblehead, I'll, uh, I'll give you a free ticket to a game or something, which will probably cost you a dollar menu prices in the coming months. So I, I need a new one or I'll super glue it. But there hasn't been many put in the books uh, being said with the Mets. You can subscribe to Amaze But True in the New York Post Sports YouTube page. Follow that Amaze But True playlist. Give us a thumbs up below. Comment below what moves will save the Mets or will there be none? Let me know what you think. Follow me on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio. Follow the show at Amazing But True. And uh, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review. Well, I'm going to go enjoy the weekend. Hit the summer club. Had a blast at the summer club on, on Monday. So going to enjoy some summer vibes. Summer's here. I'm going to get tan. And I'm going to try, just try and breathe. Like, Hearts gave you the recommendation a few weeks ago to not watch. I can't say that because I, you know, I do the show you have to watch. But, you know, if there's a game going on the first couple innings, it's rocky. Stop watching. Just go go in a pool. Go find a pool on a rooftop. Go to the summer club. Go somewhere and get away from the TV set because it will save your mental health. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Amazing But True. The Mets will go to Philly and play the Phillies, who have been playing well. They got to win a couple of divisional games here coming up before Wakanda forever starling Marte bobblehead on Monday. And it'll be the next bobblehead to lose its head. Thanks for listening to Amazing But True. We'll close it like we always do. Let's go, Mets. I won't go in the deep end of the Learn pool. Learn something new about you every oh, day. Steve, I think I told you, I just cannot swim. I am just a terrible swimmer.